Tonight's Garden of Amuna. The topic is Amuna versus self-persecution. That's today's topic. Self-persecution, you saw in the event page that went out. Self-persecution can come from many things. Primarily, self-persecution comes from wearing other people's statements about you on you. That's the biggest reason for self-persecution. Somewhere along the line, someone gave you a description and you let it stick to you and now you've been persecuting yourself ever since. This could happen from people who love you most. It could happen from parents. It could happen from siblings. It could happen from a teacher. It could happen from friends. You got yourself a nickname. You just picked up a certain title, description, and you let it stick to you. So, someone called you a vildechaya, a wild animal, and you let that name stick, and then it became a self-fulfilling prophecy. Or someone calls you irresponsible, and that's it, done, irresponsible. Another person calls you stupid, and you're done with it, finished, I'm stupid. For this entire time that my soul's down on my body, I'm stupid. Why am I stupid? Because when I was a little kid, someone called me stupid, I stuck to that, and that's it. Now let me tell you what that means. What that means is any opportunity that comes along with an intellectual challenge, you disengage. Oh, no, no, that's not for me. I mean, think about it, guys. How many of you people probably did this at one stage or another? No, 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 math, math isn't for me. I just don't do math well. So wait, what does it equal? Just figure it out for me. Where's my calculator? And then one day, by mistake, you actually had to take a pen and paper in your hand, and you found out, hey, you know, I'm not that bad at math. And this goes on and on and on and on about everything. How many people carry the title, that, oh no, I'm not a leader, I'm not, I'm not a Heberman, I don't take chances, I don't do that stuff, I'm a follower, just because we're, what, when? Somewhere in the class, someone gave you that title? So I would suggest that self-persecution, really what I wrote over there in the Facebook in that little note telling you what this class is uh, focused on, what, what do we mean by self-persecution? We mean that you just allow certain titles to stick. That's what it was, and we have to know how to deal with that. How do you undo that? How do you tell the world that the world was wrong? How do you tell people that love you very much they were wrong? They just didn't understand you. They meant well, it's all beautiful, they care about you, but it just, they were wrong. And until you're able to say that to yourself, then you got this issue. Because if you can't say it to yourself, you can't say it to other people. And every time in your mind you try to try to change that picture, someone else uh, just gives you one of those sly comments and you're done. You're right back to square one. So this issue is real. Every once in a while I share with you different uh, secular books, which um, when you're in a room and you're not allowed to study Torah, you may want to put those books there. And uh, it's interesting, one of the books I would uh, put onto your reading list is a book by a Mexican mystic called Four Agreements. Small book, really good book. Really good book that should be read, digested, internalized, and taken for the truisms that it carries. It's really good. It'll help a lot with what we're going to talk about in this class. But now I want to just take you to self-persecution. Self-persecution. In my notes here, trying to cover as much of the topic as we can in one night's class that would at least give you practical understanding, which leads into practical tools 
so that something can change in our lives for the better. I've narrowed it down to two types of self-persecutions. One I pretty much described to you. Another one actually comes in another disguise. Another disguise called perfection. So I've come across two types of self-persecutions. I've come across it with the man in the mirror. I've come across it with many people I talk to, colleagues, peers, friends, tangents, people I counsel. So really, they're both very real self-persecutions. One self-persecution is that you've been, let's forget about what the cause is for a moment. One persecution is that you sell yourself short. We're still gonna talk about that. You've just decided at what low level you are. And of course, one of my favorite sayings is, and don't confuse me with the facts. And then there's another type of persecution that's the same exact self-persecution, just dressed up a little bit differently, called perfection. I don't start anything because if I do it, it's got to be perfect. I can't do it perfect. You know what? I'm just not going to do it at all. Or all the things that we start doing that we never pull through doing or we're not consistent doing because of that horrible self-persecution with these words. It usually is said a little bit with pride. I'm a perfectionist. Why haven't you accomplished anything in your life? Because I'm a perfectionist. So we're going to talk about those two extremes of self-persecution for a moment, okay? Let's talk about the first one. Where does the self-persecution of labeling yourself with less than kind and loving labels come from? So I've shared with you it can come from other people throwing them on you. You made a mistake of thinking they were talking about you and not about themselves. That's one of the four agreements. Don't take anything personal. Everything that is said is said from the eyes of the sayer. And by the way, you'll see over there in the book, the four agreements that I mentioned to you, that one of the problems with that is that we take compliments serious. But if you take a compliment seriously, you also got to take an insult seriously. So if someone tells you you're looking good today and you took that to the bank, then tomorrow when that other person is having a bad hair day, and tells you that overnight you gained 40 pounds because today you're looking fat, just yesterday you looked great, you're going to have to take that to the bank too. So you take nothing, nothing personal. The only person who could and should tell you whether you look good is you when you look in the mirror in the morning. Other than that, other than that, we're all going to soon discuss a very interesting story in the Talmud when someone told someone, that he was ugly. But what I'm sharing with you here is I want to get to the bottom line. What is the underlining thickest artery of self-persecution? It isn't that I've accepted because people told me as I was growing up that I'm a bildechaya, I'm not responsible, I don't know how to handle money, I'm not good at mathematics, and I'm not, I should just be a follower, I should just get a daytime job, you know, get, let someone else just pay me a check and not worry about it. Why don't you go to computers? You're good in computers. Why are you trying to do this and that and that and this? And, and it goes on and on and on and on. What does it all lead to? And not only what does it lead to, but once you get there, that now becomes the reservoir which keeps on reinforcing and nurturing everything else negative you say about yourself. 
And I would share with you that what it all leads to is one simple issue. It leads to a lack of loving yourself. Once you've let something less than nice, pleasant, proud, respectable stick to you, you're now going to have to deal with the issue of self-defacement because you don't love yourself no more. And once you don't love yourself no more, persecution becomes natural. Self-persecution becomes the natural thing to do. So yeah, you may be using nice words. Oh, I'm not just good at this, or this, or that, or oh, I always, or so forth and so on. And this goes on and on and on and on. You won't believe the things that you get to hear that people have accepted upon themselves in self-persecution. I'm not a reliable friend. I don't know how to keep friends. Why do I always mess up relationships? It's amazing. People are convinced that they're just not capable of having a healthy relationship. It just goes on and on and on. You've accepted certain things upon yourself. Go do something with it. And once you've accepted that, and you don't love yourself no more, and then you act into that and feed into that, and it just becomes one big, vicious circle, a cycle. It just doesn't end. And then you ask yourself, how do I undo it? <laughs> I'm 43 years old. Imagine. How do you undo something you've been hearing since you remember yourself being you? And how real can you believe, oh, no one knows me? <laughs> My grandfather, blessed memory, used to have a beautiful saying. He used to say like this. If one guy tells you you're drunk, and another guy tells you you're drunk, and a third guy tells you you're drunk, it doesn't make a difference that you can see a perfectly clear line. Go to bed. <laughs> but now I'm talking about that in the most negative way. Because we've all done that. We've had many people tell us we're drunk, we're irresponsible, we're irreliable, we're wild. And it goes on and on and on and on. <laughs> so we got into bed. And we pull upon ourselves a whole pile of blankets, and we don't want to get out of bed no more. And when's this life going to end anyway? And, and it goes on and on and on, self-persecution. And how do you dare tell yourself? They were all wrong. They all didn't know me. So what I'm sharing with you is that it's not just the labels that got to us. It's that underlying factor that if these labels are true, how lovable could we really be? And if we're not lovable, then why would I love someone not lovable even if that someone is me? So now we've got this issue of not loving ourselves. And once you fall into that trap, it's very difficult. Self-persecution seems to be the only thing that would work. So now that we understand how far self-persecution is, we're not talking about little issues here. We're not talking about writing off certain areas of life as close to you because you're just not good at that or you don't deserve that or it goes on and on and on. But when we talk about just the mere concept, it's beyond that. It's I don't think I'm lovable anymore. Now you're talking about the heart of self-persecution. And to quote a great sage, the rest is commentary. So let's deal with this. We got to the point where self-persecution is defined in seeing yourself as not lovable for whatever reason. 
reliable, because you can this, because that, whatever it is. Under the, at some level, I'm not lovable. So now let's go to an interesting story in the Talmud. The sage is walking, and I believe it was a princess who told him, you are so ugly. And the sage turns around and tells her, go complain to the man who made me, the Uman. Go complain to the artist who made me. Who was he talking about? God. You got issues with me? I didn't make myself. I didn't make my nose so big, my ears so floppy, my lips so fat. Don't talk to me. I mean, if I messed myself up, that's a different story. But I didn't do that. I am exactly the way I was created to be. So go to my maker. Take it up with him, the capital H. I want to share this story. I want to go over this story. Let's dissect this story a second. <laughs> was he or was he not ugly? That's a question. And if he was ugly, <laughs> what's the difference? Who made him that way? That's why God created plastic surgery. I'm kidding. <laughs> Please don't turn that route. But in honesty, what was the answer? How do we understand this conversation? She tells him you're ugly. She doesn't mean anything. She doesn't know him. She's just got a big mouth with a bigger sense of entitlement that she has a right to state her opinion on Facebook whenever she wants. So she just made a public statement. You are ugly. And the world has to know that because she has something to say. Okay, that's an issue. But what was his answer? She told him, you're ugly. Nothing personal. You're just ugly. So he could have gone home <laughs> and tried to use Adobe Photoshop to upload <laughs> a new picture to the Jewish single spline. <laughs> but the bottom at the end is, what should he do? She's just like, okay, I'm done. I'm done. I'm ugly. No. He gives her a very interesting answer. Take it up with God, lady. How do we learn that answer? So I'm sitting here preparing this class, and I'm thinking that there's two ways we can learn that answer. I'm thinking one way that you can learn the answer is, okay, you're right, I'm ugly, but it isn't my fault. So talk to God. Ask God why God would create one of his boys so ugly. And that's all I have to say on the matter. Or maybe... There's a different way to look at this Pshat and Gemara, which will change our whole paradigm for tonight, which is what I'm working on. So, I read in this book, a psychology book, where there was a girl, a young girl, who was ugly. But she went and she told the psychologist they were talking that she's beautiful. And he asked her, why do you think you're beautiful? And she went and she answered, my mommy always tells me I'm beautiful. Okay, before we get all the psychologists here starting to ring out, denial, denial, let's talk about this topic for a second. The way that sage answered the woman 
Go to he who made me. I'm going to for now this moment accept that to this little girl, her mommy was God. In her little mind. Now, I'm not saying that in a, in a way of heresy. I'm just trying to put things in the right paradigm. I don't care what you have to say. My mommy, God, told me that I'm beautiful. So it's not like I'm going to tell you, you disagree with my mother, go take it up with her. No. It's what I'm going to tell you is, you got your issues. But let me tell you the facts. The fact is that my mommy told me I am beautiful. And if my mommy said I'm beautiful, get this straight. I am beautiful. Let's talk about what changed here. And now let's go back from that story with the little girl and her mommy. Let's go to God. Does God create ugly? The answer is no. I had an interesting discussion once with a plastic surgeon. Is there such a thing as the perfect, beautiful face? This conversation took place in my sukkah. And he told me, actually, plastic surgeons get together and they discuss what the perfect face is. So, I was in my sukkah, so I had the chutzpah to tell him, <laughs> no such thing. The job of a beautician, in my humble opinion, the job of a beautician is not to tell a person, this is what beautiful looks like. Now let me see how close I can get you to look like that. No. The job of a beautician, from my understanding, and at least that's the way I handle it on the metaphysical level when I deal in counseling, is to find the beauty in the individual because there is no individual who's not beautiful. Find the beauty within the individual and help express it, help emphasize it. On a very simple physical level, there are certain people that their beauty is in their cheekbone, emphasize it, make up around it. If there are certain people that their beauty is eyes, face structure, eyebrows, whatever it's going to be here. <laughs> My God, I started off with God in the moon and now I'm giving you a beauty class. Okay. The bottom line over here is what I'm trying to share with you is that if you can see the fingerprint of God in any individual, the fingerprint of God is going to be beautiful. So for some people, it's a smile. For some people, it's a cheekbone. For some people, it's height. For some people, whatever it's going to be. Find it and then work around it. Help every other limb, organ, facial part of that individual enrich and express flow with what their beauty is. And that's why there is no one beauty fits all. There is a different fact at play here. That all is beautiful. Find it. It is amazing how many people have denied themselves that reality. They have shifted beauty from God the artist and you the painting, masterpiece, into someone else's opinion of what's beautiful or not. So when this sage tells her, go to the artist, if you really believe that I am absolutely ugly, 
with no beauty point from which to now build out of me the next upcoming Miss America, then go to my, go to the artist. Take it up with the artist. Tell the artist that he has completed, he, he has created a completion of ugliness. If you dare. But if you're willing to take the issue between you and God and to find what point of beauty has God put in you, then the question isn't whether I am lovable or not. Because if God created me, I am lovable. But maybe what I need to do is stop trying to play everyone else but me and really focus that I was created to be me and only me and there must be something beautiful and absolutely lovable about that. So the answer to self-persecution is Emuna. She didn't have a debate with him about whether he's beautiful or not. He turned to God. An absolute statement of Emuna. God has created me exactly the way he created me. Now, my Amuna tells me that that is the fact. My Amuna also tells me that if God created me, I am beautiful. I have something to offer this world which is so amazing, so beautiful, that it was worth for God to take a piece of himself blow it down into this world, into my body, into all the struggles that it's got to go through because it has a master brush stroke of beauty that without it, the entire masterpiece of painting will be lacking. So how do I go ahead and find that? There is no way to find that before I can tell myself and then anyone who's ever thrown upon me any statement of ugliness, until I can't tell myself and all those other people, go to the master artist, capital M, capital A, who has drawn me, then I really don't have an escape route out of my self-persecution. So the fundamental understanding of Emunah, that God has created me, and God has created me because there is something about me that no one else can do. No one else was empowered to do. No one else was gifted to do. And if I disappear off the face of the earth without doing my piece, something is missing in the master plan in the master painting. So the first thing is to throw off everything that everyone's told you. Because first and foremost, when will you look God in the eyes? When will you look God in the eyes and see yourself? Why do we have to live our entire lives seeing ourselves through our parents' eyes for the first part of our life, our teacher's eyes, our principal's eyes, our spouse's eyes, our boss's eyes. Oh, it goes on and on and on and on and on and on. 
And then there's a plastic surgeon who tells me, we have constructed the perfect face. Wonder why they couldn't do that before God created Adam and things would have been so different then. That's the question. So the answer to self-persecution is emunah. It is absolute emunah. A, that God is the only artist who's creating every individual brushstroke, you and I, of the master beautiful painting. And then to understand that, to understand that I am not no sidekick for anything. I am the center of God's universe for this specific brushstroke. To understand that, to be able to see yourself that way, to be able to tell someone, you got issues? Go to the master artist who created me. I'm not playing into Vogue. I'm not playing into the latest this and that. I'm going to play into the master artist's palette of colors. So the answer of emunah, the answer to believe that the things that you hate most about yourself because other people couldn't deal with it, so they convinced you it's a bad thing, it's a mistake, it's a computer glitch. God wasn't looking. He was tired when he made you. That, that is what we're talking about. It's amazing. If you can take that very thing that people have badgered you with, badgered you into self-defacement, really thinking you're not lovable, really thinking you're worthless, really creating for you a label that you've been burdened and laddened with for so many years of your life. And then you look at that and say, whoa, isn't that amazing? This might be the most beautiful part of me. This might be really where my mission lies. And then to be able to ask yourself, okay, so in the left-brained world, I didn't fit in with this talent, so they tried to squash me and put me away in the loony bin. But maybe that's, that's what I have to offer. Before I go into the perfection part, I want to share with you that we live in unprecedented times. See, because once upon a time, if you didn't fit into the bigwig's box, you were left with nothing. Homelessness. Because they had a picture. They were the ones in charge. They were the ones calling the shots in the game. You couldn't get nowhere or nothing. If you didn't play into Hollywood's role, you didn't have a chance of becoming an actor. If you didn't play into the banker's role, you didn't have a chance of going into financing. And it just goes on and on and on and on and on. And all of a sudden, God neutralized the entire human race with a simple toy called the Internet. Everyone's got a soapbox. Everyone can make mega bucks with their little nuances that everyone else try to push them under the carpet with. It is amazing what you can do today. If you have a Michigas, just some stupid Michigas that you're into, I don't even know what to pick. 
pick some some answer, some animal that no one's no one deals with. If that is your passion and that is your talent and that is your gift and everyone told you you are a nerd, you're a nobody, you're not going to make it, you're just crazy. Well, guess what? Today you take that exact Michigas and you open up a blog and before long you post it out there. You play your rules right with Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and go on and on and on. Before long you have a following. Before long you're making a nice parnosa. Before long you're going to drive by your teacher who told you that you're going to be a nobody, the son of a nobody for the next eight generations. And you wave from him from your fancy little car while he's walking out with still what, nobody and nothing. The world has changed. If there was ever a time to throw off self-persecution, now is the opportunity. If anyone has ever told you that you're going to be a nobody because you just got the wrong passions, the wrong talents, you just don't fit into a square box, and this is a square world, now's the time to laugh your brains off to the bank. If, if you can shake off the paradigm. I've been told that the Baba Sali said that he who has it once can have it again, and I understand as long as you don't lose the willingness to fight. That's what it is. If you can shake off the shackles of other people's paradigm, free yourself of self-persecution, the very thing that people told you was what made you ugly can actually be the greatest lottery ticket you've ever had. Fish it out of the garbage can, Clean it up because today is the day of removing self-persecution. You have an internet, does, don't, doesn't make a difference if you have no money for advertisement. You don't need that today. You guys know that. You guys are more computer savvy than I probably will ever be. But I want to share with you another thing. Just as I tell you, there's been no opportunity to shake off self-persecution like today, I will tell you, that there's never been a generation who's been so awkwardly suffering from self-persecution like our generation. Our generation has produced people with such shallow definition, meaning, purpose, that the slightest look from a coworker will send you into tears for three days wondering if you just grew a pimple somewhere on your nose and you didn't notice it and everyone else saw it. That's what we're dealing with today. So I want to share with you extremely very, very clearly. There is no challenge generation like today, and there is no gifted gener generation like today. You actually are sitting on that very spot, which can be prison or which can be absolute liberty. Don't tell me the reality of what other people told you about you. Get it. They loved you, they meant well, and they were wrong. Stop running away from the one most natural gift that God placed on your lap. Embrace it with absolute amuna of what that sage told that woman. You think I'm ugly? Talk to the master artist. Because that master artist don't produce ugliness. And maybe 
the very thing that you call ugly because it doesn't fit into your box is the very thing that's going to put me on top of the world. If I can just really, really shake it all off like water off a duck's back because nothing that anyone ever said makes a difference when you can look God in the eyes. But if you don't have that amuna that God made you, not God made Adam, who with Eve, had a couple of babies, had a couple of babies, had a couple of babies, had a couple of had you. No. If you put God that far back in your gene pool, you've got problems. But if you believe that God made you to the finest detail of you, all your characteristics, your personality, your physical markings, if you believe that, then you've got to believe that you're not ugly. If you can tell someone, go to the master artist who made me, not the master artist who started the human race and then let the gene pools just hand out potluck who's got these genes and who's got that gene. But if you believe that you, 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 and all of you was created to perfection by the master artist, then how can you dare to say that you're not lovable? How can you dare to say that I have nothing to offer? I am a misfit, a collection of all the gene pools that went wrong. So the question is, can you embrace your absolute beauty and be man enough or woman enough to shake off any statement that's been made to you, labeling you by the most loving individuals who just were too weak and too wrong? It is amazing how often I see the most powerful of siblings living the most self-persecuting life of all. Because somewhere along the line, they couldn't deal with an out-of-the-box issue. So you've been trying to stick your circle into a box, and now that you can't, you've come to terms, I'm just a misfit, I'm not lovable. And now welcome to a new world, a new generation. Get your circle out of the box, polish it off, go out there and make zillions because there's a new world out there who loves you for the way God made you. If, if, big word, if you can love yourself. So Amuna is the exact cure, not only to bring you back to normalcy, but to take you for the full gallop with all the glory and financing and power and goodness that comes along with it. But then we go to the next extreme, introducing a new disease of self-persecution called I'm a perfectionist. I'm a perfectionist is another self-defacement which just manifests itself instead of the light in the shadow, but the light and the shadow ultimate are two halves of one true thing. They're both the same. So if the self-defacing of I'm a nobody, because everyone told me I'm a nobody, and I'm so not lovable, doesn't work, then we're gonna go to the next extreme. 
I'm a perfectionist, which once again does the same thing, and that's why it's self-persecution. You see, the first level of self-persecution begins and ends with one thing, kicking God out of the picture. The second persecution begins and ends with the same thing, kicking God out of the picture. No one asks you to do anything perfect because as long as you're human, you never will do anything perfect. Human and perfect are oxymorons. One is finite, one is infinite. So when do we embrace that God never empowered us and thus never demanded of us to be perfect? All God did ask for us is give it your darnest best. Let me do the rest. So if we believe that God made us as beautiful as we are, then we're going to agree that God made us as beautiful as we are, which does not include perfection. It's just not part of human perfection and beauty. It's amazing how some of the imperfect birthmarks actually accelerate and accentuate the most beautiful beauty of people. It's funny because we spend the first half of our life trying to cover it up because it's different. And then we realize, why would I cover that up? It really brands me. It really, really expresses my beauty. That birthmark right there. <laughs> and then you work into a world where beauticians sell you pencils to <laughs> make birthmarks that don't exist because it becomes an thing. <laughs> That's amazing. Perfection. Perfection is idolatry because idolatry isn't true and perfection isn't true. Ugliness isn't true. It's all the same. It's all the same. You take God out of the picture, you take a moon out of the picture, and now you're bouncing like a racquetball between I'm ugly, unlovable, I'm a perfectionist. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth into the oblivion of purg purgatory. It's just wrong. The answer to self persecution begins and ends with allow God back into the picture. God doesn't make ugly, you're beautiful. Human beauty is preciousness, not perfection. No, you're not perfect. Your job isn't to do the perfect job, your job is to do the best job you can. Let God deal with the rest. So what I'm sharing with you here today is self-persecution is by pushing God out of the picture. And once you take God out of the picture, he didn't make you, you're just a outcome of gene pools crashing into each other. Then we deal with ugliness. Ugliness on many different levels to the point where we're unlovable. But if you allow God into the picture, not just into the picture, but God is the actual artist who by himself hand drew your DNA ladder, then ugly you're not no more. And guess what? Perfect, you're also not no more. Get over it. You're preciously beautiful. Just the way he wants you to be. Now can you take that baton and go for the full run? That's what tonight's class is all about. Just simple. Keep it simple. I told you, the kiss rule. Keep it simple, sweetie. Just keep it simple. Let God into the picture. 
God is the artist that drew you his painting. He drew you to the perfect way he wanted you to be with all the beauty of the imperfections and talents. And there's something about you, your DNA ladder that he personally drew that he made no replica to at all. You are the only gift in this world that can carry your exact DNA ladder and do exactly what you need to do in the painting that no one else can do. So stop letting people tell you what's the perfect face, what's beautiful, what's not beautiful, which talents are valued, which talents are a waste of time. Get over it. Get over it and accept yourself for absolute beautiful you. That's it, guys.